Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back into another edition of Jake's Takes. I am your host, Jake Masucci. And today, I got a really exciting episode for you guys. Episode 15 of Jake's Takes. Unbelievable that we made it this far. And it's flat out incredible. This episode is going to blow your mind. I will tell you that. Today, I got with me my guy, Brennan Smith. And this is a great episode. We did kind of a fun one and a really different one. Um, He had a great idea to talk about the NBA and have me kind of catch him up on what's going on in the NBA. So we get into basically all things NBA, everything you need to know before the playoffs. And it's a real fun one, real fun one. This is going to be part one of episode 15. Part two, I will have my cousin Marty Masucci also be joining me. We're going to take a little detour, but that's for part two. But you got to get ready because this one's this one's about to be awesome. So I'm going to cue the music and let's get started. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another edition of Jake's Takes. I am your host, Jake Masucci, and I am happy to be joined by my guy, Brennan Smith, here today, my cousin. We're on a little family vacation, and we figured why not do a podcast, right? Why not? Why Why not? not, Takes? Why not? I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see everything you've got going on with this podcast. He's got an upcoming segment with our other cousin, Martin Masucci. I know that. I'm excited for that one. Some Marvel talk, a little detour from sports for the first time. What do you think about that? What do you think about the detour? Exactly. All I can say is stay tuned because Marty knows his stuff and he's a super fan. And hearing these two talk about something that they both love will be so interesting, no matter if you're a Marvel fan or not. I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. We're going to do something a little fun too. This is kind of like family podcast. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. It's still got some sports, it's still got some Marvel, like just some fun stuff in this podcast, but we're going to change it up. I normally do a little NBA catch up, and today it's kind of like a little intro to catch you up on the NBA. Today we decided to do something a little different. Brennan, why don't you do, why don't you tell everybody what's going to happen today? Totally, totally. Well, I guess I would explain it as more of an overall catch up instead of as I would do. You, do you do week by week? Do you do month by month? I'll week? I'll do like every once in a while. March Madness really got going, so I was kind of more locked in in February to the NBA. But now we got to get everybody back into the NBA. So. Exactly, exactly. Well, for me, as someone raised on basketball, lifetime basketball player, lifetime fan. I've taken a step away from the NBA following it. So with my cousin here, I knew it was a great opportunity to step right back into the game. Hopefully get a nice overview to lead me into one of my favorite times of the year is the NBA playoffs. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's definitely going to be some exciting stuff. And I'm really interested in this, interested to see what you got planned for me today. It's going to be fun. Exactly. We're planning a new format. So I believe takes if this is okay with you okay okay i'll be hosting more or less asking the questions moving through some topics that are of interest to me 
Forgive me if I seem a little bit organized. I do lack the knowledge. So we're going to have to move. We're going to have to move at the pace, but I guarantee you it will be informative. I guarantee you it will be interesting. Okay, okay. This is the first time I've relinquished control on the podcast. So you're you're the first new host. You're now the host of Jake's Takes, so take it away. Take it away. Takes, I'm honored. Okay. I'm honored. All right. I so love it. earlier in the year, this is how I'm going to start. Okay. I'm earlier ready. in the year talking to some friends catching up from school and i get embarrassed oh, i had no. no idea the movements in the nba this year okay okay i was semi familiar with the teams of last year teams of the year before especially so first off just to give you guys a knowledge bit of a basis of what my knowledge is had no idea that kevin durant had moved teams oh man okay oh, we're low. okay we're all, low. Right. all right all right so if you could just start some of the bigger moves, some of the bigger players, and then maybe we can move into some of the more interesting pieces. I think that would be a great okay. place. All right, so probably the main bigger pieces that you need to know is we'll start with Kevin Durant because that was a crazy trade. I had to do a full podcast the next morning because of it. It was flat-out unbelievable. Kevin Durant got traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Phoenix Suns, okay? Do you know who Matt Ishbia is? Of course, yes. UWM. Of yeah. course, yeah, of course. UWM. So he bought the Phoenix Suns. Okay, I'm sure you heard that in the news. He bought it for like four billion, which is like insane. You know, it was one of the biggest purchases for an NBA team by far. So he bought the Suns, and the Suns originally their plan was to go after John Collins. He's a forward on the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, so that was their plan, and he's like, "Wait, but can we get Kevin Durant?" And they're like, yeah, but we have to give up Michael Bridges, who's a really solid forward. You remember him. He was on the Villanova team that beat Michigan. 100%. Yeah, 100%. No, he's, a, he's a very good forward. One of the most insane teams yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. No. I'm familiar. They were really good, dude. They were tough. But um, so they had to throw him in in order to make the trade. And the Suns, they weren't sure if they wanted to do that. You know, they were like push and pull like, eh, I don't know. Like he's a very valuable piece that can shoot the three and play defense. And Matt Ishbia is like, guys, it's Kevin Durant. He's one of the top 20 players of all time. We got to do this. And they threw Michael Bridges in. It ended up being Michael Bridges, Cameron Johnson. Um, missing some of the names, but there's four first-round picks involved too. And uh, they got Kevin Durant. You're telling me you're missing some of the names. And it was plus four first-round picks. It was Jay picks. Crowder also. Yes. Gotcha. And okay. th- those are all three and D wings. Cameron Johnson was the forward at North Carolina a few years ago that um, he was one of the top scorers in at North Carolina. He was a monster. He played with Kobe White. They were really good. Oh, yep, yep, yep. yep. I yep. do remember. Vaguely. Vaguely, okay. I do remember. Him. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. What do you think of the value there? I mean, Mike, Hel- he's, a, he's a young up-and-comer. They're not paying him as much as they're paying Kevin Durant. Yeah, no. You're losing out on that. I mean, what do you think? I mean, it's tough because a few games after the trade, Michael Bridges went out and dropped 40, which is which is just like, oh, great. You know, like tough, tough, uh, tough wound to have right after the trade. But Kevin Durant has come back the past, sorry, past few games, and he's been outstanding, like flat-out outstanding. When he plays, they're 7-0. So... Going into the playoffs and you're looking at the Suns, if they're completely healthy and you have Kevin Durant on your team, Devin Booker on your team, Devin Booker it's turned into one of the best scorers in the NBA, Chris Paul, savvy veteran, can still pass the 
the crap out of the ball. He's an unbelievable passer and works hard on defense, but can be seen as a defensive liability. He is 38 years old now. And um, you also got DeAndre Aiden, who was just a monster big man at Arizona for a long time. And he's been great in the playoffs. And he's, I mean, playoff-wise, he's been meh. I don't know if great in the playoffs is the right word, but he can be dominant. Uh, people question his physicality, but I think he will be all right. Like, he's a good matchup for a Nikola Jokic type. So if you're looking at a Suns-Nuggets game, like, I think DeAndre Aiden could have a big series in that one. But I think if you're a Suns fan, it's worth the risk. And if you're the Nets, I mean, we'll probably get to the other trade later, which is Kyrie Irving, but... um. Like, you have to do what you have to do. Like, Kyrie wanted out. He he got out. And it's like Kevin Durant's not going to want to play with a ton of scrubs. So, you know, kind of interesting. I mean, that seems to be the way Kevin Durant's career is gone. He wants to go where he wants to go. Yeah. And yeah. Hey, that's fair enough, in my opinion. Fair enough for so sure. So, this leaves the Nets. Kyrie's now gone in a new trade. Mm-hmm. Durant's gone as well. Okay. Yep. What do they look like? So, what they look like right now is a little bit of what I talked about with Michael Bridges. Michael Bridges is the guy. Man uh, is playing out of his mind right now. I think he's averaging around 25 points, playing great defense, doing a lot of stuff. And they're left in the 3 and D wing center. They literally have, I think, five or six guys, 3 and D wings, that any other NBA team would love. They have Dorian Finney-Smith Jr. Or, not Jr. Dorian Finney-Smith. He was the forward for the Mavs last year that had an unbelievable series to help propel them to the conference finals. They got him for Kyrie Irving. They got Cameron Johnson in that trade. Cameron Johnson has been incredible for them. They traded Jay Crowder to the Bucks, but that gave them more second-round picks and more, uh, more picks to, you know, help leverage them in the future. And... They just got guys, man. Flat out guy, guys. Nicholas Claxton has been unbelievable this year. They're still sitting at the sixth seed right now. They're fighting it out with Miami, I believe, in the Eastern Conference standings. So they'll be an interesting team when it comes to playoff time. I wouldn't expect them to go anywhere past the first round, though, but I could see them giving a team like a six or seven game series. They're still a fun team to watch. That's impressive. That's impressive. As... As a viewer of the game, it's hard for me to see a team sell out the way that the Nets did, but I'm kind of impressed by the way that they seem to have turned it back around. I mean, four first-round picks back to the team. Yeah, no, they got four first-round picks from Phoenix. They got another pick from Dallas in that Kyrie Irving trade. So Kyrie to Dallas, is that what's the full extent of that trade? So off the top of my head, I believe it was Kyrie Irving and... I'm definitely missing the other player, but I don't think he I don't think he plays very much on the team. But they they got in return Dorian Finney Smith Dorian Finney Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, and a first, I believe. Um I don't know if I have the exact details correct, but I did talk about it on one of the pods where I have the exact details correct. So one hundred percent. As just a I just looked it up. Okay. So we've got Brooklyn receiving Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney Smith. 2027 second rounder, 2029 oh, first second round, too. Okay. 2029 second round as well. Okay. Dallas takes Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. Oh, Markeith, I mean, Markeith was the other one I was missing, yeah. To me, and, and this could be totally wrong, it looks like the Nets took 
a risk with a team for a couple years that didn't work chemistry-wise, and they kind of got out of it in an okay spot. I know. So I respect that. And we're not even talking about the trade that they made two years ago, which was with Philly trading James Harden to the 76ers. And they got, I believe it was two or three first-round picks out of that. So 100%. they did lose a lot of their picks to get James Harden from Houston, which is something we could talk about at a, at another point. But, like, it's kind of throwing away their future. They were able to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in free agency. But they've seemed to recover pretty well. They got a couple picks from Philly. They got a lot. They got a load from Phoenix because Cameron Johnson and Michael Bridges are pieces you can build a team around. And then um, and, yeah. and the Mavs, like Kyrie, you don't know what he's, you're going to get for him. If you can get a first-round pick for him, you take that. You know, like that's awesome. 100%. So then I, from there, I would move to the Mavs. Okay. I, ha- I don't know much. I've read an interesting article that Luka – and um sorry Luca and Kyrie were not mm. meshing oh man is this no. is this something that's happened because i could see it i could see it i mean cuz luca is a, he's the guy yeah he runs that offense yeah no that's that article is 100% true and i think i talked about it a little bit on the pod i didn't expect this i didn't expect this complete down down low i i think i expected them to go down to the plan but right now they're sitting at 11 which is outside the plan which is unbelievable. Just flat out nosedive. Down, just to interject, just interject. Where were they last year? Where were they pre-Kyrie? Pre-Kyrie, they were the fourth seed in the West. Wow. Yeah. That's astounding. Yeah, no, it was it was an insane drop-off. And what's really happened is the loss of Dorian Finney-Smith. He is their defensive wing. He's the guy that they put on. So they played Phoenix in the second round last year, okay? And that was a very tough series, tough grinded out. Chris Paul had some games where he was unbelievable. Devin Booker had some games where he was unbelievable. And Dorian Finney-Smith in Game 7 just flat out locked up both of them off switches. It was just unbelievable. And it was one of the biggest choke jobs we've ever seen because Phoenix came out of the first half with 23 points. The score was 53-22 to at halftime. It was flat-out incredible. Luka Doncic was raining threes all over the place, and the Suns couldn't score a bucket. And they ended up losing the game, I think, by like 25 or something. They ended up making it at least bearable. But being down 30 at halftime, not great, you know? Um, So, like, they had a sort of defensive fire. They were able to be 12th in defensive rating, which is what you need. You need just a solid defense to be able to make the conference finals, which is where they made it last year. And the Warriors beat them in, I believe, six games in the conference finals. But going into this year, their defense had fallen off a little bit because they lost some pieces. Maxi Kleba has been dealing with a lot of injury. He's he's one of their bigs. That's been um, a really good switchable big for them. And since Finney Smith has left, they don't really have a defensive anchor to go off of. And Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, yes, you could say, oh, these guys are so talented offensively that they can outscore anybody they play. But the thing is, is you have to be able to stop defenses as well. And what I talk about on my podcast is a lot is the need for movement basketball. And Luka Doncic, he's not really a movement basketball player. He's the kind of guy that when he's not involved in the action, he stands. He doesn't do much. He doesn't do anything, really. He just kind of stands in the corner, chills, lets lets Kyrie do an ISO or do something else. And whereas Kyrie, he's a great off-ball player. He moves very well. That's why he meshed with LeBron so well back in the day, you know? 
Uh, Kyrie doesn't get enough credit for just how good of a basketball player he is. We talk about him off the floor all the time because he does some crazy antics, but he's a fantastic basketball player just in general. Maybe not the best defender, but fantastic basketball player. Well, this is very interesting because I was sitting here, and in my head, I'm envisioning the problem stemming from Kyrie completely. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with the media, and that has a lot to do with, with just the whole, the Nets, the entire situation that we had to watch there. Are you telling me that a lot of it is Luka as well? I think a lot of it is Luka. And it's not a knock on his game at all, but I just don't think his game is built for to have another star in the backcourt. I think his game, if you brought in someone like Anthony Davis on his team or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, which Giannis Antetokounmpo was talked about a lot before he re-signed in Milwaukee, that he was interested in Milwaukee, in, sorry, in Dallas. Um, that would have been really interesting pairing and I think it would have been unbelievable to give him a screen and roller that can do that stuff and or a post player that can uh he can just stand you know he could kind of be like a James Harden with Embiid right now you know so I think really with Luka he's just not really built to be moving and cutting and doing all that stuff because to be honest he's just not in great shape He's just not, and he's not going to be the type of guy to be locked down on the defensive end either because he preserves a lot of his energy for offense because he's used to having the highest usage in the league. Most of the offenses ran around him. So it's it's just hard for Luka to adapt on the fly to Kyrie being there and being like, oh, now I have to become a movement player. Now I have to be like, he hasn't played a movement style of offense since the Euro League when he was 16. Because they just put the ball in his hand when he was 17, you know? So, I think it's just hard for Luka to adapt that quickly. 100%. And mid-season trade, correct? Mid-season trade, yes. That's hard. Very hard. That's Very hard. hard. I mean, you need time, especially with two players who are so used to having the ball in their hand. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an interesting interesting perspective on Kyrie as well. So, the Mavs have... Some tough work ahead of them. Yes. 11th seed. Some things to figure out. I feel like on big picture, this is so surprising to me and so interesting because you almost see the new era of super teams biting itself in the ass. Because yeah. now you have new things to consider. It's not just about putting talent together. It's about the chemistry of the talent, how they play. I mean, it's a whole new consideration. It's all about fit. It's I think that's fit. really interesting because to me before – and I could be wrong, obviously. It seemed that they were throwing teams together based on talent, and it was working. Yeah, yeah. No, you could 100% say that. And I think that's kind of going with the era of the Kevin Durant moving to Golden State. And what people don't understand is that in Steve Kerr's system at that time, you could plug in anybody and it would be successful because everybody that's willing to move would be successful in that offense. LeBron James at that time would be willing to move off ball screen and do other things to make people better. Kevin Durant was willing to give up his ego for Steph in order for everybody else to be successful to make that team work. If you were to plug in like a James Harden in that situation, I don't think it would have been as successful because he's so used to iso ball. And then they're like, oh, we're going to have to make him iso every play. Whereas Kevin Durant was like, no, I'll go screen. No, I'll go do this. No, I'll go do that. And people were like, oh, it's not going to work because Kevin Durant's an ISO player. But what they did was with five seconds left on the shot clock and there's nothing else to do, I'm just going to go to Kevin Durant and he's the best ISO player. You know? Yeah, I mean, you use those talents 
in the in the situations where they're needed instead of relying on them for exactly. the entirety of the game. Exactly. And I, I mean, just I don't want to get into the Warriors because just that system in general is so incredible. It's so incredible. I mean, they are a team. It's team basketball at the end of the day. Steph's incredible. It's beautiful to watch. Honestly, it's it's really awesome. It's hard to hate. It's really, it really hard, to hard to hate. To Except, hate. just I don't even want to talk about it. I don't like Jordan Poole. Okay. I don't right. like Jordan Poole. And that's coming from a Michigan man. You hey, went to I Michigan. Was, <laughs> you know, JP, if you're listening and you remember the manager from sophomore year, or freshman year, my bad. No offense. No offense. But okay, okay. All right, so run me through run me through a couple other movements. What do we got? What do we got? Okay, so probably, I mean, there wasn't too much other in the trade market other than that. Kind of the other trades, maybe the other trade we talked about on the trade deadline was probably the Lakers move of getting Jared Vanderbilt and D'Angelo Russell. Since that trade, they've moved from having the 20th best defense to the f- second best defense in the NBA. So they've really turned it up, and since then they've gone from 13th in the standings to 7th. So I think that would be the most important like midseason trade to talk about because the Lakers kind of turned themselves around with trading Russell Westbrook to the Utah Jazz. I'm not sure if you know the exact trade. Had no idea. Okay. No the, idea. the exact trade was it was a three-way. They got Jared Vanderbilt from the Jazz. They got D'Angelo Russell from the Timberwolves. And the Jazz traded Mike Conley to the Timberwolves. And the Timberwolves or the Jazz got the Lakers 2027 pick. And this pick was super valuable because it was one of the two picks that they have left. And in 2027, LeBron's probably gone. And there's been a lot of talk that Anthony Davis is really looking at Chicago because Chicago is his hometown. And he's really interested there. Wow. I mean, that's pretty, that's amazing. They're turning their season around. Could you, Vanderbilt, could you run me through his game? So he's kind of that 3 and D type that I really like. I'm very high on the 3 and D types. He's not the best shooter, so I wouldn't call him like the 3 guy, but what he does is he's a connector. He's a very good passer, and it's really underrated in his game because he can create plays with his passing and movement. He's always moving around the floor, and he's fantastic. And what he did right after the trade, I watched the Mavs play the Lakers. The Mavs had Kyrie and uh, Luca and we were all like, "Oh man, they're going to be amazing." And as we talked about, it didn't turn out that way. But Vanderbilt would pick up Luca full court and just absolutely demolished him. The man in the first game I watched him play in a Lakers uniform, he had thirteen points, ten rebounds, eight assists, seven steals. He was flat out incredible. He just torched Luca. That's a player. Right I there. know he was a flat out player, and he was so much fun to watch. He was moving. He was just connecting the team. And this was like I talked about the trade right after it happened with Drew Comer, um, and I just talked about Vanderbilt forever because I loved him. This guy was on the Timberwolves last year, okay, and he was um, he was their connector. He was their piece that could defend and move. But nobody saw him because he was on the Timberwolves. And then he got traded to the Jazz, the Rudy Gobert trade, which we'll talk about later. Um, he got traded to the Jazz, and Jazz just kind of didn't play him too much. He came off the bench. He was a solid connector piece. And then he went to the Lakers, and the Lakers don't have any of those 3 and D guys. So he was just able to come in and be super successful in that role. And he's just a flat-out baller, man. I love him. Wow, fit like a glove. Fit yes, like a glove. Fit like a glove is a perfect way to put it. I mean, it. That, and that's and that's what you need for players like that, because 
he's not he's not going to be flashy. No, he's not going to score the points, and you need people to take that pressure off of him to allow him to play his game. So that's 100%. really really awesome. One hundred percent. Wow. I mean, I love I love that for the Lakers. I am a LeBron fan. Yeah. So no, like so his success is always exciting for me. I'm going to say something um, that I wasn't ready to say right after the deadline. I did say that the Lakers would be back in the play-in mix. I didn't expect them to move up to seven, which they are in the rankings, which is awesome. But they're a title contender, flat out. Like with this team that they have right now, they have a great defensive anchor. Anthony Davis is playing the basketball of his life, and they're back. Like. We haven't seen them be this way since the bubble. And they're not where they were in the bubble because there's a lot of talented teams and there's still Kevin Durant out there with the Phoenix Suns. And right now they're 7-0 and as a team, so they're scary. But other than the Suns, man, I'm really looking at the Lakers as a very interesting title contender. I think the Nuggets are up there too. Nuggets, Lakers, and Suns I really have as my top tier in the West. But... I'm starting to get high on the Lakers. I'm starting to get back on that LeBron train. Maybe maybe a fifth ring is possible. Wow. I'm excited. Yeah, I know. You That's should be, amazing. Man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It hurts because I, I do like Westbrook, but seeing him leave and seeing this much success that's pretty it's it's crazy yeah, he it goes is to crazy. the jazz what's it looking like there so he went to the jazz okay and the jazz were like i want no part of you we're, we're not having it so they bought him out his contract's bought out so what that means is they'll pay him all of his money up front he can go into free agency and look for other teams okay and there are there are a couple teams interested i think i heard there was an eastern conference team that's blank in my mind that was interested. But the Clippers were very interested. And I talked about it a little bit on the podcast. I was like, I hate this for the Clippers. Please don't do this. This will ruin your season. This is not good. And they get him. They go and get Russell Westbrook. And I didn't talk about it on the pod, but I was a little upset because Kawhi's playing at a very good level right now. And I talked about this a little bit off air with uh, Asher a little bit. But we talked about um, Kawhi and the load management. And I talked about how Kawhi actually has a reason. He has a chronic injury. It's a chronic injury in his leg. And he's had it since the San Antonio days, but he's not, he doesn't talk about it. He never talks about it. And the Spurs didn't release any medical reports. And he's very secretive of it because he doesn't like talking to the media, which makes sense. And like with Kawhi's chronic injury at the beginning of this year, he didn't look like Kawhi. He came into the the year and played horrible. So the Clippers just didn't seem like a finals contender. They didn't seem good. And they were finally starting to play at a great rate. And Kawhi looked a lot better. And then they go get Russell Westbrook. And what happens when they get Russell Westbrook? They start 0-6. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not good. Like, why would you get Russell Westbrook, right? He just doesn't fit in this style of NBA. But I'm going to give credit to Russell Westbrook. Because now they're starting to play a lot better. He's taking a back seat. He's letting Paul George and Kawhi play to their strengths, and they're starting to win some games. And then Paul George gets hurt. He hurts his, I think it was his hip. I'm not positive on that injury, but what I did here is he should be back for the playoffs, which, thank God, because he's an awesome player. Playoff P. Playoff P, yep. Um, and so Paul George is hurt. So now Russell Westbrook has to take a step up. And in the past few games, he has. 
He's been playing great. He's been scoring 30. He's been having 12 assist games. Like, he's been doing stuff that we've seen of the old Russell Westbrook, finding his spots. And I think Ty Lue does a great job of doing that for him. I think Ty Lue is one of the best coaches in basketball. He kind of got a little overshadowed with LeBron. Uh, it's so easy to be overshadowed in that situation, exactly. but he he kind of he stuck strong and he went through it, and I I respect that a lot. Yeah, a no. lot of media slander that you have to go through as the coach in a LeBron team, and that's a fact. It's one hundred percent a fact. Like it's very difficult to be a coach for a LeBron team, and he he did a great job with that team, and with this team, he's doing an unbelievable job. Like the Clippers just made the conference finals. I think it was was it last year or two years ago. I don't even know, but. I, I, think it was, I think it was two years ago. It was two years ago, yeah, because they lost to the Suns, and the Suns played the Bucks two years ago. So um, they they played some small ball with Marcus Morris at the center, and they did some really cool things that um, Ty Lue had up his sleeve. So with the Clippers and with Russell Westbrook, I think Russell Westbrook's try, starting to find his spot in the league, which I'm really happy for him for because he just gets too much hate. And even I've hated on him, like not being sure if he'd adapt. But he's... He's growing, he's maturing, and he's starting to take the steps in the right direction, which is great for him because, you know, it's great to find a spot in the NBA. Give some props to the guy. I know. Adapting as a player that he is and at the caliber that he played at, I mean, as the guy on the team for so long, is not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing at all. Okay. Wow, that's a very, very kind of a cool state of affairs, I would say. Yes, very much so. Mostly Western Conference over there. Mostly Western Conference. Could you run me through... The Eastern Conference, sort of an overview. Just give me the, the standings a little bit and a general feel for each team. And okay. I would like you to not talk about the Pistons because I'm say I, I, my questions for the Pistons are, are saved for last. Okay, all right, we'll go through we'll go through each Eastern Conference team. So, I mean, I'll I'll try to keep it brief. But number one, we're seeing Milwaukee. I mean, they've been incredible this year. They have the best record in the NBA. Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing at an extremely high level. He's just been flat-out unbelievable. Chris Middleton's been fantastic. Ever since he came back from injury, the Bucks have lost, like, five or six games. Like, they, he came back, like, halfway through the season, too. So, they've just been ridiculous. They had a streak where they won 17 straight games. They were just on fire for a while. So, Milwaukee, they're a top-tier team. I didn't even talk about Drew Holiday. I love Drew Holiday. You're my guy, Drew Holiday. Fantastic defensive player. They're going to be... They're going to be there in the end, probably. Two seed, we got, I believe it's the 76ers. Yes, it is the 76ers. And so Harden's making it happen. Harden is making it happen. He's been he's been fantastic. Um, something you probably don't know is in the offseason, he was actually a free agent. And he was looking at teams. There's a lot of talk that he might go back to Houston. Uh, what people know is he loves the nightclubs over there. Um, but, um, so, uh, he was looking at Houston and he was just like, no, I want to ride it out with Philly. And he was like, but I'm going to take less money so we can bring in people. So they brought in PJ Tucker, they brought in Jaden McDaniels and they brought in Daniel house, which are all three and D guys that are really good. And PJ Tucker 
was on the Milwaukee Bucks team that won it all. P.J. Tucker was also on James Harden's team when they ran small ball, and P.J. Tucker was that center. I you know about him. Yes, yeah, seriously, that was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a thick dude, but he does not have the height for that. Yeah, no, he's a flat-out unbelievable player. I'm a big fan of P.J. Tucker. I like how he plays. Yeah, no, he's he's one of those pieces for them that he'll just go guard anybody, and he's a flat-out monster. And the thing is that's scary is I haven't even gotten to Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid has been flat out unbelievable this year. He's averaging 33 points per game, 10 rebounds, and he's just he's just a beast. He's just a beast. Nobody can stop him in the post. He's got his post shimmy game, fadeaway, mid-range. He's just he's just incredible. And he is the MVP. He's pretty much clinched it right now. Um I've been talking about Jokic and Embiid all season, but right now his odds went from minus 100 to minus 720 in the past week. Like, he's just been incredible. And with the rise that Philly's had in the standings, it's just unbelievable. So, Philly's been unbelievable. That's pretty awesome. Joel Embiid has always, for me, in my cursory on, like perception of the NBA media and all that, he kind of flies. He's flown a little under the radar for me. I've seen him popping up more last couple of years. You mentioned the shimmies, the fadeaways. What exactly is this guy's game? I mean, he is he just making these shots when he, like, he he can do everything. Like, wow. He can do absolutely everything. If you ask him to shoot a catch and th- shoot three, he can shoot a catch and shoot three. If you ask him to back somebody down and hit a post post hook on them, he'll do that. If you ask him to back somebody down and dunk on them, he'll do that. He's just a physically dominant human being, but if you give him one inch of separation, he'll hit a mid-range shot over you. He's just ridiculous. Like the guy's one of the toughest covers in the NBA, and it just goes to show you how good of basketball players there are in the NBA. Because this guy's literally unstoppable, and if you touch him, he's gonna get to the foul line and have twelve free throws. The thing about this team is, you not only have Joel Embiid, who's one of the most unstoppable players, you also have James Harden, who's so crafty inside and can draw so many fouls that this team. There's been games that I've seen where they've shot 40 to 50 free throws in a game. Like, it's just flat-out incredible. And that's not just the refs loving them. It's them actually drawing fouls. I mean, as in, as unguardable as they are, I could see it happening. For I sure. I mean, what what's a defender to do? I know. What's a defender to do against this in the way you've explained to beat against that sort of game? That's really awesome. I know. They're, they're flat out incredible. And he's never won the MVP before. Nope. He's been second. He was second last year and third, I think, the year before. I've even seen on some of the Twitter sort of stats that have come up that he's been getting robbed a little bit. Yeah, no. He has been getting robbed a little bit. Um, I mean, I think last year a lot of people thought that it was his best chance to win MVP. Like, it was back and forth all year. I think Jokic kind of sealed the deal last year. But to me... Like, Embiid's just a flat-out monster, and this year it's all his. Like, there's there's no debate anymore. Jokic was flat-out unbelievable to start the year, but Embiid's finished it on a different plateau. Okay, that's awesome. All right, sorry to keep you on the second no, season no, for so long. No, no, all good. Was, I, needed, I, I didn't know much about Embiid, and I've always been interested to learn just a bit more about his game. It's just, I like bigs. I yeah, like bigs no. and exciting bigs are awesome. And he's he's an awesome guy to like, dude. Like he's just flat out incredible. And I needed to give Embiid a lot of props on this podcast because I haven't. I've been giving a lot more props to Jokic because I'm more of a Jokic guy, but that's just me. I love Embiid. He's flat out incredible. He deserves all this props. He's amazing. All right, 
Let's get to the other teams. Okay. So right, run me through them. I'm gonna try to go a lot faster because I've been I've been going I've been going a little slow on each. Yeah, team, you, you get it. You get engrossed, and I understand. I mean, it, it's it's an, a fascinating topic, and I think the cool part about doing it in this format is that. I mean, you can kind of just talk about what is, and you don't have to dig too much into what you're into what you're thinking, and that's kind of a, it's a fascinating way to really get into it. Yeah, no, I I think so, man. Like, it's just it's just really interesting to talk about teams like this, you know, and it's it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, you can talk about the exciting parts, you can talk about their movements, you can talk about all that kind of stuff, and you don't got it. And I it's it's interesting for me to hear. So I th- I hope it's interesting for everybody else. Yeah, I know. I hope so. All right. Who do we I'm got? Gonna, I'm going to go quickly. Um, I actually had it wrong. The Sixers are the three seed. So the two seed is the Celtics. And the Celtics are really good. I'll run through them a little bit. Jason Tatum's your best player. He's the forward. He's, I think, fourth in MVP voting right now. He's just been flat out unbelievable this year. Jalen Brown is right next to him. He's the two guard. Fantastic. Three and D type player. He can really defend the ball. But um, he's just he can score at every level. Flat out incredible player. They got a deep team. They shoot the most threes in the NBA. They got Malcolm Brogdon, who I love at backup point guard. He's incredible. Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year last year. He's a monster. He's been dealing with some injuries. I think he's back now. But um, he's been very good this year. Al Horford still in the league. Hard to believe. He's 35 years old now. He's really developed a jump shot and has created that stretch big type player, which has been fantastic for him. So that's kind of a rundown of the Celtics. You got it. Yeah. I mean, I just comment low level of turnover on the Celtics. I mean, yeah. they're retaining and that's an, it's, I love that for teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a, an uncle who's a Celtics fan, so it's so easy to be excited for him just because you get the same people to cheer for yeah. and they continuously get better. I think if you're a Celtics fan, I listen to Bill Simmons' podcast a lot, and he's the biggest Boston fan you'll ever see. Celtics, Patriots, all that stuff. But what he and his dad get really mad about is Robert Williams. He's their he's their big. Uh, he like plays every once in a while, and he'll start when he plays. They'll play Robert Williams and uh, Al Horford together. Fantastic rim protector, great defender, but he can never stay on the floor, never. <laughs> And people just get so upset about that, how he never stays on the floor and he's not good enough. And if you're a Celtics fan, like, you need Robert Williams to be successful, you know? 100%. I mean, that's very frustrating. Yeah, no. I've I've seen it in many sports. You you watch a player that you're excited to watch and he's not on the floor. Yeah, it's It's, tough. it's, It's very annoying. Very annoying. So fourth seed, who do we have? All right. I'll go through these a lot quicker. The Cavs, I've talked about a lot on this podcast, so I'm not going to get into them too much. We got Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. Fantastic bigs. They call them the Twin Towers of this era, but at least I call them that. I don't know if everybody else calls them that. I certainly call them that now. <laughs> but uh, Donovan Mitchell, fantastic scorer, has had a monster year. He's He's had, I think, like six or seven 40-point games. He's been fantastic. Darius Garland, excellent playmaker, excellent scorer. What they need to be successful in the playoffs is Isaac Okoru to be a 3-and-D player. He has the potential to be there. Isaac Okoru was the forward on Auburn two years ago that got drafted pretty high. Um, that He has the potential to be that player, but it's yet to be seen. So we'll see with the Cavs. Um, getting to the five seed, we got... Then, is it the Nets? I think it is the Nets. Um, 
And the Nets might be sitting at six. I feel like I'm missing. I'm missing the Knicks. That's who I'm missing. The Knicks have been fantastic. They're the five seed, and I have not talked about them too much on the podcast, so we'll get to them. Uh, Jalen Brunson was one of the moves you may not know. He moved from Dallas to New York in the offseason. New York's his hometown, um, and his agent really had connections with the New York marketplace and stuff. Jalen Brunson, this could be me. He's putting my foot at Villanova. 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 Yep, he was part of that uh, part of that team that knocked out the Wolverines with Michael Bridges. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know, dude. I know, dude. <laughs> Dif- difficult stuff. Difficult stuff to bring up. I know. Difficult stuff to bring up. But Jalen Brunson is now one of the best point guards in the Eastern Conference. He has been fantastic this year. I believe he was an all-star for the first time this year. Really fantastic player. Can play make, can score. He just... He's just kind of the engine of that team, and he's made them a lot better. Julius Randle is also still there. He's a former Kentucky standout. He's had some up-and-down years. The Knicks made the playoffs two years ago where he had a really big year, was fantastic scoring the ball, just an incredible scorer. People question his work ethic and how hard he plays on the floor, but I think he's a great player. Kind of hard to build around because he's he's a four, but he likes to dribble a lot, so it's kind of weird on the offensive end. But I think he's a he can be a player to build around. And then with the Knicks, you also got Quinn Grimes, who's from uh, Houston, who I love. Fantastic defensive player. We got R.J. Barrett, who's been fantastic, the former Duke standout. Um, fantastic scorer. He can defend as well. And that's, that's kind of the bulk of the team. I'll shout out Obi Toppin, the Dayton player, who was fantastic. Should have had Dayton as a one seed, and then COVID happened. But uh, he's been a solid piece off the bench. They got pieces on that team. They'll be a really tough matchup. They're probably going to end up playing the Cavs in the first round. So that'll be a really interesting matchup. Two similar teams, kind of mediocre level. I was really high on the Cavs in my, one of my past po- podcasts. I had them in my finals because they were playing out of their mind. I'm not sure if I have that anymore. I'll probably be doing a prediction show soon. So be out, be on the lookout for that. So, you know. Interesting on the four and five. It's always fun to watch teams like that where you have, for me, and I think it's it's cool because these names are, they're new names. Yeah. They're new yeah. names. They're not, we're not talking about the Westbrooks. We're not talking about the Hardens. We're not talking about LeBron. Yep. I mean, these are new names. And, th- and that's always cool to see from teams that are sitting now at four and five seats. And you get to watch these players play against each other. It's almost like you're watching the new NBA. Very much so. Very much so. It's going to be really exciting because I really think this can be a year where Donovan Mitchell has had some success in the playoffs in the past. He had that bubble sequence where he dropped him and Jamal Murray went at it. Murray had 50 one game. Mitchell had 50 the other game. And then they kept going back and forth. And he was fantastic. And Murray got the best of him at the end. But I think this could be a year where Donovan Mitchell really takes a step up. And it's been really cool to see Jalen Brunson take that step up, too. You know, it's it's just exciting to see new stars ascend to new levels, you know? Totally. Okay. Name me off 6, 7, 8 real quick, and then I got some questions for you about the pitch. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about 6, 7, 8. Um, like, the Heat are the only ones that could actually make a push. So I'll talk about them a little bit. They're kind of the same. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. All those guys. I think you remember the bubble when they made that miraculous run to make the finals. They still have um, Duncan Robinson on their their team, but they grossly overpaid him, and he doesn't play much anymore. 
He's not the best defender. Struggles to stay on the floor. Their kind of replacement for him is Max Struess. He came from a mid-major that is slipping my mind right now, but that's okay. Uh, fantastic shooter. He's just got more of the body to defend, which is what the Heat need. And then they still have Tyler Hero from Kentucky. So kind of a similar team they're bringing there. They have a, the potential to beat a team, but um, they're going to be sitting at playing probably Philly. So that would be a very difficult matchup for them. And then uh, getting to the 7-8 and then the play-in a little bit, it'll be uh, the Hawks. The Raptors, the Bulls, and that's pretty much it. You know, like, it'll be some exciting stuff. I'm interested to see that. We talked about the Nets. I didn't mention them. They're at 6, and then he's 7. So, um, it'll be interesting to see uh, with the East. The play-in will be interesting. Trey Young has had some success in some playoff games, which will be fun to see for the Hawks. Uh, the Bulls still have Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, and... I mean, the only players really to look out for are the Trey Youngs, the DeMar DeRozans, the Zach Levines, because most of those teams just don't have much defense. So it's hard for them to really compete with the top level of players. That's awesome. That is a fantastic roundup. I mean, I know. We, we went into depth on some of these Western Conference teams, which is really awesome. Eastern Conference as well. Yep. My guys, my hometown team. Okay, let's get to them. Let's get to them. I can't believe that we are where we are. I know. I know. Is any part of you looking forward? I mean, we're young. We're young, and, and there are players here who show promise. I, it's Kate is out, correct? Yes. That's a huge loss. Huge loss. Flat huge out huge. Loss. And, and do you think, I guess, how, how different do you think the season would be with him there? So, I think if he was there, a lot of people had very high hopes for this team. Like, originally, we thought we could be a playing team, which, okay, I kind of get. But if you look at it realistically, we didn't have enough defense. We didn't have enough shooting, which is killer. Our only shooter is Bogdanovich. That's it. That's the only shooting we got. Cade isn't a good enough shooter yet. He's around 30% from three. And Bogdanovich, fantastic shooter, 38%. That's what we need. We need people that can shoot. We need people that can defend. That's why I love Isaiah Livers so much. Fantastic. If he can get his shot going, like, at a super high level is fantastic and he's a fantastic switchable defender you know so I think with the Pistons if we had Cade this year it might have been not what we were thinking and we might have been maybe not here but like around 13th in the east 12th in the east something like that showing some signs of life but not to we'd probably be a worse version of the magic right now who are sitting at 12 and they're like not playing talk but like in the middle gotcha i'd just like to take a moment to agree with you there isaiah livers one of my top two favorite players of all time he's awesome flat out awesome. i mean when i managed the michigan basketball team for the two years that i was there he was there for both fantastic person that's first awesome off, very respectful very mm-hmm. respectful, incredible to all the managers, incredible to the staff, great teammate, great leader. That's awesome. Him getting hurt, him getting hurt my sophomore year yeah. was one of the most heartbreaking moments that I've ever I've ever. That was before. very tough. That oh was very goodness. tough, I man. I love this guy. I love this guy. I'm obsessed with him. I love his game. I think he's got so much potential. I mean, if he just can stay healthy. Yeah. He's yeah. he's everything. He's the full package. Yeah, no, I 1000% agree. I 1000% agree. He's he can fit that mold of a 3 and D guy. Like he can he can be that Jared Vanderbilt type, that Dorian Finney-Smith type, you know, those guys. And 
that's what you need to win in the NBA to me. Like, if he can just really turn it up on that defensive end and that shot falls, it's tough to stop, man. It's really tough to stop. So, we'll wrap it up soon here. One last question, I guess. Do you see the Pistons improving as they are? Do you think the development could be there? Do you think we need to even sort of restructure again? So, I think with the Pistons, if we're looking at it, if we're looking at it for next year, let's say we don't get number one. So, Wemby's off the table. Let's say that. Let's say we're stuck with three. Okay, this would be like worst case. But we're stuck with three. I think worst case would probably end up being five or six, but I think three would be still tough take. So, we'd assume Wemby go one. Scooter Henderson go two. I don't know if you're too um, know Scooter Henderson too well, but he's a guard out of the G League Ignite. Fantastic guard, really good athlete, like really good. I would love the Pistons to have him and move Cade over, but I'm assuming he'd go two. Okay, so that leaves us with Brandon Miller, and I think you watched a little bit of March Madness, but Brandon Miller was a fantastic forward out of Alabama. Okay, he can shoot the three lights out. He can play defense. He's kind of similar to Isaiah Livers, but he's like already there. He has all of it right now. You know, like he he you can plug him in right now. So if we were left with him, I think it might be time for a restructure, and that would be like like my dream is to get Scooter and move Cade over. Because I think Cade would be a lot better off-ball. Cade's game is kind of... I don't know if it's like Tatum exactly. But it's a lot better off-ball because he can create things. Like with his movement and with his uh, off-ball scoring. Okay? That's kind of more Cade's game compared to using him like a Luka. As in every play we go to him. You know, if we had Ivy and Scooter Henderson in the backcourt, first of all, that's the most athletic backcourt in the game. So that'd just be tough to stop. And they can guard multiple positions, and the dunks you would see is unbelievable. They would be flat out incredible, which you'd love to see as a Piston fan. And then Cade at the three would be awesome because then Cade can be more of a spot up shooter, which would help him in his scoring. And then also we could have Cade be more of an ISO scorer off the wing which I think would be a lot easier for him to become an all elite scorer. And he can still take the ball up if he wants and create for other people and do those passes. We'd have a lot of great playmaking. And then we already have so many bigs, we just have to figure it out from there. You know, That would be my dream scenario to get Scooter uh, if we can't get Wemby, of course. If we get Wemby, you just get Wemby, plug him in, and it will probably work because he's a monster. But... um. Dream scenario, get Scooter, move Kate over. If we get Brandon Miller, I think we might need a restructure. Maybe trade Ivy, maybe trade Duran, maybe trade Wiseman, whatever you want to do. I think we need to restructure a little bit to make it work because I still would like to use Livers off the bench if we got Miller or something like that. I think Livers could really develop into something. So I'm excited for the Pistons' future. This draft is going to be huge. Like We can't really... We can't really know what's to come until this draft happens. So I'm really excited for it. We'll see, 100%. That was very, very informative because it's hard for me to see. I mean, I hear these names, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying Wiseman, you're saying Duran, you're saying Ivy. It's just it just seems to me like a team that should be propelling. But I see where you're coming from. I mean, yep. you're sort of yep. lacking that finishing, that final scoring piece. Yeah. I mean, you need that outside presence. You need somebody who's going to make that three besides Bogdanovich. And uh, you need, Cade needs help. Yeah. I mean, what you're seeing is like, these guys, other than Bogdanovich, they can't shoot. Like, Ivy's not known as a shooter. He's, he's known not. as an athlete. He he goes straight downhill. He's one of the most athletic guys ever. Cade's not a shooter. He's a playmaker. He's a type of guy that can score off ISO. I like him in the mid-range more. You know, he's a fantastic player off that. Scooter's not a shooter, but he's an athlete. He can playmake. He can do stuff. Like, we need shooting around that. We need Cade to become a knockdown. We need Livers to be able to play the four in order that to, for that to work. And we need a big that was just dominant. Yeah, I mean that's Lillard's yeah. natural position. He's exactly got, like, power forward is where he needs to be. Exactly. So like it'd be it'd be interesting with whatever you put in there. But if you put in Wemby in there, you put in a shooter, you put in a score, you put in a defense. Like it's just a lot easier to build. That's why everybody wants Wemby. Um, so like I think Scooter and Wemby are the prospects we need in order to make this team work. And if we don't get them. And if we fall even further, I would not mind Jairus Walker because he's a fantastic defensive guy that we need, and he's got the ability to develop a jump shot as well, and he would have the ability to play four at six nine six ten. And he's, if you saw him at Houston, the dude's unbelievable. He made some incredible blocks and was just fantastic. So that's another guy I like if we fell further, but we're not going to fall further. We're going to get that number one. We're going to get Wemby. It's Wemby time. It's Wemby time, 100%. Okay, takes. Okay. All right. You've caught me up. You've ran me through it. You've told me why my favorite team is not playing like I think that they should. This has been incredibly informative to me, and I'm honestly just impressed. Very impressed. I mean, you've got a great thing going here, and man, are you knowledgeable. Dude, I'm appreciative. I mean, the way that you can interject just a small bit of your personal opinion, your personal feeling into a whole lot of straight material, straight fact. I love it. Yeah, no, fantastic. we're definitely going to have to do a podcast where um, I ask the questions because my goal with this podcast is really to bring the guest in. You know, I want to I want to hear your opinions, too, because like it's called Jake's Takes, but I can intersect whenever I want. I really love bringing the guest in and having them, you know, kind of bring their takes in where it's like, oh, take this take that you know build off of everything have great conversation and you did a fantastic job as the host asking some great questions i mean those were unbelievable man. hey you know with the nba the way that it is it's not that hard to move from thing to thing i mean it's a it's a real interesting environment right now i know it's 100 percent. well brennis thank you so much for joining the podcast this was so much fun man takes i had a blast this i had a blast i hope to be back soon i hope to be back soon and Seriously, thank you for catching me back up. Yeah, no, this is the NBA playoffs are starting soon, and uh, I think the play-in starts next Thursday, something like that. Hey, it's going to be great to watch. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be really exciting. All All right. right, Well, as your host today, let me just cut you right (laughs) off there. Signing off, Jake's Takes. This is Brendan Smith. I'm here with Takes himself. Have a great night.